Welcome to the Luke Messiah Show. Last week, I wrote a piece and released our episode and talked about the 11 moderate Republicans who teamed up with Democrats to kill an amendment that would have said that no money can go to children's hospitals who are actively socially transitioning children, a gross practice that is still legal in Texas today. Well, Representative J.C. Jatan and Stan Kitzman provided responses to that article. J.C. Jatan did it publicly and Stan Kitzman did it to a constituent who asked a concerning question. And we have those responses for you today. We're going to break them down and also the multiple inaccuracies in them. Also, I'm joined today by Joe Hyde, who runs San Angelo Live. And he and I are also going to talk since he wrote an article about my piece, uh, just giving an alternative perspective as somebody who reports to many of Drew Darby's constituents. Drew Darby is also one of those 11 Republicans. So we've got a lot to cover today. Let's get to the show. So a week and a half ago, I wrote a piece on Texas Scorecard that they published about the 11 Republicans who sided with Democrats to support taxpayer funding to institutions that are socially transitioning young Texans. Now, let's talk about what this is real quick. And I do this in the piece, but I want to kind of start by explaining what social transitioning is. See, the transgender religion is hell-bent on convincing children of a lie, a lie that a little girl can become a little boy, that a little boy can become a little girl. It's a, a topic that we've talked about for years on the Luke Messiah show. Well, one of the ways that that actually starts, in fact, the way it does start is that a psychologist is involved. It's not a medical professional. It is a child psychologist who meets with a two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight-year-old child. And they say, hey, Sarah, Maybe you were born in the wrong body. Maybe you're actually a boy. And this Gnostic evil idea and lie is then, the child is catechized into a way of thinking, maybe I am a boy. Or maybe I, a young boy, am actually a girl. And thus starts the process of socially transitioning. And what will then follow is weeks of therapy where this child is basically catechized into this way of thinking. And then they'll do things socially, like, hey, I think it's time to enroll Tommy in school as a girl. But before that, we should have a coming out party. And they'll have everyone over to the house. And they'll say, guys, Tommy is now Rachel. And this might be when he's six, seven, or eight. And they'll say, his old name is now dead name. You will never use that name again. In fact, calling him, his male name at birth that aligns with who he is is actually a way of hating him. And then they'll tell all of his friends, you are now to refer to her, they'll start using the female pronouns, as, and they'll give him a female name, Rachel, Sarah. This is the process of socially transitioning. And the psychologist is teaming up with the parents to figure this out. And then they say, well, now that all of his, or all of her, because they're at that point calling him a her, They'll say, well, now, now that we've come out to the community, now it's time to enroll this child in school as their new name and their new gender. And then all the teachers will join in and continue to lie to this child. This is the type of abuse that is still happening in Texas today because it wasn't addressed in the transgender ban that passed. The transgender ban that passed, which we're going to get to in a second, 
dealt with the most extreme versions of this religious cult. It dealt with the surgical removal of the genitalia and the breasts of the child. It dealt with the actual blocking of the puberty of the child, and then the application of cross-sex hormones. So you block the puberty first, then you apply the cross-sex hormones. But all of that doesn't usually happen until 10, 11, 12. So what wasn't addressed is all of the transgender services that happened prior to that, and then also the other stuff that happens alongside. If you think that a 12 and 13 and 14 year old aren't still meeting with these leftist psychologists, you're wrong. And in fact, this came up during the debate of SB 14. I've pulled just one clip of discussions between Representative Tony Tinderholt and a psychologist that actually testified. And I want to go to this clip for a couple minutes and come back, but here's what you need to know before this. First and foremost, J.C. Duchon sat throughout the hours of testimony on this bill. And not only that, there were private discussions on the policy of transgendering children. Okay, One thing that was very clear is that the psychological services were not included in the bill. Not only in the clip we're about to go to, but in subsequent discussions that happened. J.C. Jatan was actually not in his chair when this discussion happened. So we can honestly say he didn't hear this exchange, but there were multiple other exchanges. I want to go to this clip so you can get an understanding of the reason I'm certain that this is still happening in Texas. Let's go to this. So do you assist some of these folks, uh, young children in transition? I assist in their mental health care during transition. That's okay. what you're asking, sir. So are you supportive of it with the individuals? I think that's a fair statement in the context of, you know, doing again a, a careful assessment, collaborating with parents, collaborating with the young person. So as we go through this, if this bill passes the way that it is, you can continue to do the services you do they just won't be able to get the medication and they may not be able to get the surgery. Is that correct? That's correct. So you could continue to emotionally or mentally transition them. Is that, that that's what it sounds like is accurate, correct? Yeah, I don't think I would use the language to emotionally or mentally transition a young what would person, you but say? I, would con I would still be able to practice, which I believe is your, your question. But when you practice, would you be assisting them in their goal of transitioning if that's what they wanted? I assist young people and their parents in their goals that we reach collaboratively. Um, and if this bill is passed and medical interventions are no longer possible, I would not have that option in the state of Texas. So I would work on other mental health treatments to help, you know, try to relieve symptoms of dysphoria, anxiety, depression, those sorts of things. Would you recommend that they maybe go out of state or do different things if they really, if you thought that they really needed it? I think that would be a question that is better served by legal counsel than a psychologist for that sort of case. Well, but that's that's why you're here today is to tell me what you do, what you would do, how you do. Like, <laughs> if you believe someone that really needs help, would you recommend them? It's it, I'm not, it. It wouldn't be illegal in this bill. So would you do it? If it was not something that would put parents and young people <clears throat> at risk, and they were able to get and receive appropriate care elsewhere, that might be an option. I would. In just a moment, we're going to actually go to J.C. Jatan's email that he sent out to all of his constituents, or at least the ones that are on his email list, and he posted it on social media and said, here's my defense for all of the attacks on me for my bill. Here's what I want to focus on quickly from the clip. Representative Tinderholt points out, and again, this discussion happened numerous times, the psychological transitioning of kids, not in this bill. I want to remind you of that because we're about to read what J.C. Jatan told his constituents. 
The pro-life issue is one that we debated for a long time in Texas, and luckily it is largely completely illegal. There are little forms in which it could still be legal, but um, abortion is largely just outlawed, okay? They're, uh, the only loophole basically that exists is a self-induced abortion. If a mother says, I want to kill my own child, she can legally do that in Texas. That's an unfortunate provision in state law. It's not a very loving thing to have for mothers involved. It's actually, I would say, a rather hateful policy to have to say mothers can kill their own kids. But that being said, it's not what we're discussing today. What we are discussing is the fact that many lawmakers in the past would have a couple pro-life votes on their record, but they would break every now and then on the issue of abortion. And they would vote once or twice or three times on that issue. And then during the primary season, when people would bring their pro-choice votes, they would always say, this person's lying. I voted for this pro-life bill. And you're going to see that same tactic used by Representative Jatan here. So let's look at what his email says. The first thing I want to highlight is this question. It says, I thought the Texas legislature already banned child gender modification bills because people are saying, why, why did you vote this way? Here's his answer. He says, yes, that happened this session. Senate Bill 14 prohibited gender modification surgeries for children, treatments to change hormones, and put parameters around mental health counseling services. And we're actually going to get to Stan Kitzman's art, uh, response because he has a similar thing that he said. Here's what you need to understand. There are not any parameters that prohibit a child psychologist from socially transitioning a kid. I look forward to J.C. Jatan further expounding upon his little sentence there. I'm sure his staff read the whole bill and said, well, maybe this one sentence applies to this one. We'll use that to say that it applies to counseling. It doesn't apply to counseling. The legislation doesn't apply to counseling. It doesn't regulate counselors. That debate was had on the floor. Representative Oliverson said it didn't actually address counseling. And Representative Oliverson was there in the committee when this psychologist said, this doesn't apply to me. Yes, it doesn't apply to you. And Tom Oliverson voted with Tony Tinderholt to say, hey, it would be good to restrict this since we know it's going to keep happening. Let's go to the next thing he said. Would this failed amendment do anything beyond what SB 14 did? Now, again, the amendment that J.C. Jatan voted for said that if money is taxpayer money is going to go to a child hospital, they need to not socially transition kids, which they can do. According to him, no is the answer. Now, that is a lie. And the reason I say it's a lie and not a half-truth or a mistruth is because it did, in fact, do something more. Because under current state law, I don't know, let's just make this clear. Under current state law, money can go from the state government to any hospital, irregardless of the transgender psychological services they provide children. This amendment would have said for this pot of money, it can only go as long as you're not doing those services. So the statement that no, this does nothing that SB 14 did is outright false, clear as day. It says the language of the amendment would have provided zero additional protections for kids beyond those provided in SB 14. Just flat out false. Let's go to the next thing his email said. This is actually how he started it, which I think is so funny. Was HB 1898 a gender modification bill? The answer J.C. Jatan says is, no, it was not. This is such a lazy response from Representative Jatan. And the reason I would say that is because, again, if I said, hey, I'm going to give 
all of these women's health clinics $100 million on these criteria. And somebody said, hey, I'm gonna add an amendment on that criteria. And I'm gonna say, a women's health clinic that provides these services cannot receive this money if they provide abortions. This was done every single session in the Texas budget. Now, no one ever said, well, I'm voting against that amendment and it's not a pro-life amendment because the budget is not a pro-life bill. They said, yes, when money is going to an institution and you restrict what that money, not only what the money can get used for. See, this is the other difference that you have to understand. See, for a while, Planned Parenthood would come out and say, we don't use any taxpayer money to provide abortions. And what they were doing was they were taking all the taxpayer money and they were using it to do everything but pay specifically for the abortion. And they would raise private money from other people and use that or have the person pay a nominal fee and abort their child for them. And not to mention the fact that all of the taxpayer money was what was being used to actually make sure the Planned Parenthood could be there and survive as an institution. This statement is again a distraction. Well, because the bill didn't say this is a transgender bill, you can't possibly in any way restrict the funds from going to institutions that are abusing children in this manner. Last statement that he made in his email, what about counseling services? This is what JC says. When a child has such significant mental health concerns that they need to be treated in a hospital, that can often include counseling services. These kids will often have multiple issues impacting their mental health including depression. It is possible some of these kids are also struggling with gender dysphoria and we want them to receive appropriate counseling. However, SB 14 already puts parameters around these counseling services to ensure the child is receiving appropriate care and not being encouraged to change their gender. Guys, that is not a true statement. And I'm going to challenge Representative Tom Oliverson, Representative J.C. Jatan, Representative Stan Kitzman, any of the other Republicans. The only reason I mentioned Tom Oliverson is because he's the author of SB 14. And all of the 11 Republicans that voted for this, if any of you can point me to how SB 14 already puts parameters around these counseling services to ensure the child is receiving appropriate care and not being encouraged to change their gender, I welcome your response. Gladly, you can come on this show and give the response. You can do it yourself and I will broadcast it. Prove that statement because I've read SB 14. I read it when it came out of the Senate. I read the introduced version. I read the amended version on the Senate. I read the version that got re-amended back to a stronger bill. I read the version that was considered in the House committee. I read the version that was debated on the House floor. Not one sentence in that bill does what J.C. Jatan says is done for counseling services. And this is beyond desperate to write such a statement. It's irresponsible. And it's it's not even, it, like we could have an honest dialogue about this issue, but instead they've just gone to straight up gaslighting where they're just gonna write whatever they wanna write about the bill. That being said, let's go to Stan Kitzman's email. So Representative Kitzman also wrote an email to one of his constituents who emailed him having read our write-up and watched our show and said, Representative Kitzman, please let me know what you think about this. It's interesting because I got emails and texts from people saying, oh, I actually met with Stan Kitzman in a town hall and I went and asked him about this issue and I asked him here and I asked him there. So I appreciate all of the followers and listeners to the show. I appreciate those of you who took our write-up on this issue and emailed it to your friends and family in these different communities and said, hey, what is this about? Because that has clearly made its way back to these legislators to the point that they feel compelled to actually respond. 
Here's what's troubling. So Stan Kitzman's email, I will say, is much worse than Jason Jatan's email. Now, Jason Jatan's email, as you heard me describe, is pretty bad. Okay, I'm not going to have as much time to read Stan Kitzman's email, but I do want to break down a couple things he says. First of all, he says SB 14 did pass, including provisions prohibiting therapies and procedures to transition a child's gender before they reach adulthood. Again, including prohibiting therapies. No, it did not. This is not a, this is not saying that the things SB 14 did were not good, but they didn't stop the therapy. And Stan Kitzman has decided, well, the only way to get out of this sucker is to say, I voted to do it, whether the bill did it or not. You heard in the clip, this therapist, it doesn't restrict me. I will continue providing these services, but that's okay. So that is just the outright false statement that Representative Stan Kitzman makes. Here's another thing he says. Let's go to the next thing. And I actually think that this is really worth focusing in on because this is almost when he backtracks from what he just said. So realize the first statement he made was, I don't know, this has nothing to do with anything because none of these therapies can exist. If none of these therapies can exist, you need to understand this. It means that Tony Tinderholt's amendment wouldn't do anything. That's what it means. Because if the therapies are outlawed, then if Tony Tinderholt says no child hospital can get this money if they're psychologically transitioning kids, then you know what the right answer would be? Uh, we aren't psychologically transitioning kids. That's illegal. It's the same thing J.C. Jatan said. J.C. Jatan said, well, we do still do want to make sure that children get health care for their gender dysphoria. Yeah. Do you know what healthy psychological treatment for gender dysphoria is? Encouraging this beautifully created female who was created by her creator as female. Male and female, he created them. Read Genesis. The right way to encourage these people and to not hate them is to actually tell them that you were wonderfully made a female or a male and then to encourage them psychologically into that. And what we know is that before these radical transgender ideas came, 90 to 95% of children who had gender dysphoria stopped having it after puberty. That's the thing that nobody wants to talk about. In every instance prior to the Dutch protocol coming into being in the transgender movement, 90 to 95% of children's dysphoria left after puberty. That's why the movement is hell-bent on stopping the puberty. And that's why they want to get to them earlier. Because they have to tr change this child's mind. Stan Kitzman wants to close in this way. Here's what he says. I fully appreciate the complexities surrounding healthcare and medical practices for our children. My vote was not a dismissal of the dangers of this, um, but kids are on the verge of suicide, of severe mental illness to get help. We need to make sure they get help fast. That's what he basically says. That is exactly what HP 1898 did. Okay. And then he says the amendment would have killed the bill and it would have taken away these services the kids need. And then this is the last thing he says. So he kind of broad brush strokes it. And by the way, understand when he says the amendment would have killed the bill, what he's saying is the amendment, if it passed, would have kept all this money from going to these hospitals because the hospitals are socially transitioning the kids that I just told you is illegal. Children shouldn't go without this help just because the children's hospital they visit happens to have 
woke administration. I want you to think about what Stan Kitzman just said. Hey, we shouldn't keep this money from these children's hospitals just because their administration hires a bunch of psychologists that are going to start trying to convince a two-year-old boy that that boy is a girl. A psychologist that will sit down with that two-year-old boy's parents and say, listen to me, you're either going to jump on board the train of the sexual revolution with me and try to convince Tommy he's a girl or he's going to kill himself. That is the lie that they tell these parents. You've heard it a lot, but I'll remind you, here's what they tell them. They sit down and they say, mom, dad, would you, your son, Tommy was born a boy. Would you rather have a living girl or a dead boy? Would you rather have a living daughter or a dead son? Because if you insist on trying to encourage Tommy in his own biological sex and that his gender coincides with that, and he should be taught and encouraged and loved to live in that. If you do that, you Neanderthal of thought, you're going to kill him. His blood will be on your hands. It's the same language Stan Kitzman uses. He literally says, I didn't want the blood of these kids on my hands. Therefore, I had to vote for the bill and fund the social transitioning. Because here's how it works. If we give all this taxpayer money to all these institutions and say, we don't really care what else you're doing with these kids then we are complicit in the activity. That's what I believe. That's what a lot of constituents of these representatives believe. And that's why they're getting asked these questions. Their defense falls short. Their defense is inaccurate. It's very unfortunate to see how desperate these members are being. But the truth is, this is a discussion we should have. And, and there are people who will disagree with my perspective on this issue that can do so in a rational rational and reasonable way. Stan Kitzman and J.C. Jatan are not those individuals. When we come back, we're going to have a discussion uh, with Joe Hyde, who's somebody I met because he wrote a piece uh, contending with some of the things that I have said um, about Representative Darby and all these other representatives. We're just going to talk about that a little bit and also the work he's doing in West Texas, some of the differences that are coming, the future legislative battles that are occurring uh, when it comes to rural Republicans, Democrats, and the different policies that they will often see eye to eye on um, that are even going to be discussed this fall. So I look forward to that discussion when we come back. Citizens should dominate the conversations around culture and government. And to do that, we need to be informed. That's why Texas Scorecard exists, putting the news in context. We cover the stories that matter to you, the ones that you talk about around the kitchen table, not those dictated by politicians or coastal elites. Our mission is to help citizens move from media consumers to cultural and political influencers. The issues you care about, covered by people who share your values. Texas Scorecard, real news for real Texans. Joe Hyde is the publisher of San Angelo Live, which is pretty much the premier news station in the city of San Angelo. Drew Darby, one of the state representatives that is among the 11 that I wrote about and talked about on the show, um, of course, was became topic of discussion in San Angelo, the article that we talked about. And so Joe uh, investigated it, wrote a piece for himself, and I'm not going to dissect it. He's been kind enough to come here in studio and actually talk about it. But he did during that say that some of the things that I said um, were not accurate, that he 
he felt like I was saying that voting for the Tinderholt Amendment was akin to supporting transgender surgeries. And so I read the piece, called him up, asked him if he wanted to come on the show. He was kind enough uh, to come here today. So, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. No, don't kill me. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a country bumpkin out <laughs> yes. from San Angelo. And this big city studio has kind of there got me go. a little bit, you know, there intimidated. You go. But, uh, uh, so before we get into the article specifically, just tell people quickly what San Angelo Live is. Um, San Angelo Live is uh, an online news platform, a local internet only uh, news platform. We we have a podcast. We got a daily video kind of similar to this mm-hmm. studio. We we don't have a, the ceiling. It's not as there high. There you go. Because we're out in the country. Um, <laughs> and we cover uh, primarily Tom Green County. And the Concho Valley, there's five counties around it. Yep. Uh, uh, news, uh, high school sports, high school football is mm-hmm. coming up. It's real big. Uh, we have an audience. The, the county has 120,000 people in it. We mm-hmm. have an audience of 80,000 a month just in the county. Wow. Uh, I guess worldwide, there's about 500,000 uh, unique users a month. So it's, wow. it's, it's substantial. We reach into Abilene, Lubbock, uh, Midland, Odessa, a lot of Dallas, and, and I-35 corridor yep. stuff too. So. so you and I talked on the phone privately. Right. I tried to do that when people disagree with anything that I say. And well, then... it, was pretty, it was pretty manly of you to call me up, <laughs> you know? So I got this call from this Matt or from Luke. I'm like, who's Luke? <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to reach out and I know that we've had some discussions since, mm-hmm. um, but I want to give you an opportunity to specifically kind of address your concerns with what we've said so far. In the news business, I know because I, I face the same thing you do. You walk into a room and you have you have a variety of swords to fall on. Mm-hmm. You have picked the most, the strangest swords of all things to, st- the, 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 to fall on with this HB 1898. Um, I saw it as a process thing. It's, it was not a, it was not a uh, ideological, I'm, I'm for or against transing the kids, you know, in the big picture. Uh, I saw it as a process argument. Um, the other thing is, you got to understand, out in the rural counties, you know, rural areas of Texas, it's not like, you know, the woodlands. It's not like uh, Arlington, Texas. Um, it's people love their state reps. They love their county judge. You know, they 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 support them. Uh, they the in our situation, I know I've known Drew Darby for a number of probably twenty years. I know what he's about. I know what he's you know he's not yep. afraid to say I voted this way because mm-hmm. so. I called him. I actually I texted him. I said, "Hey, what's up with you transiting the kids?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he said, "Oh, that scorecard, you know." Uh-huh. And so uh, we talked a lot about the process and uh, what ha- what had happened and why he voted that way. And you know, we have Shannon Children's, uh, Sh- Shannon Women's and Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I think a bigger problem in the counties today, uh, in these rural areas, and and probably in the cities too. But I'm not an urban guy anymore, right? I moved out mm-hmm. of Houston, so I'm not an urban guy anymore. But the big problem is. Our jails are full of 20, you know, if you t- talk to our county sheriff, he'll tell you our jail has 25% of its residents in the jail have some kind of mental health disorder. The cost of drugging, you know, the drugs mm-hmm. that go in for mental health is in Tom Green County used to be about 17,000 a month. We've gotten it down to about eight because mm-hmm. of some, some really tight management. Um, so mental health is a big deal for us. And mm-hmm. we have uh, Rivercrest Hospital, which is overflowing. Mm-hmm. And so anytime you can get money for mental health in, in the rural areas, it's important, you know, particularly to the operators of these of these various medical institutions. Can I ask you a question? So the reading of the Tinderhold Amendment literally mm-hmm. says 
we still want all this money to go to all these hospitals as long as they are not providing mental health care that is socially transitioning kids. I'm not. So, so I want to, I, I am open to the argument that says rural hospitals need mental health care funding. Mm -hmm. Our jail system has largely become mental health care mm -hmm. for adults. Now this again, these were focused on children's hospitals, right. not all, but with children. Eventually they become adults. Well, eventually they do become <laughs> adults, right? And unfortunately, if they go into a hospital where they are told, hey, four-year-old kid, you can be boy, you can become a girl, I actually think that, that is pushing them further into mentally unhealthy. I agree with you 100 percent I agree with you 100 So the Tenderhold Amendment, and I want to get to some specific arguments. You said it was more process-oriented, mm -hmm. right? Now well, the the HB 1898 was yep, process-oriented. Process -oriented. The Tenderhold Amendment was a missile. Got it. That was going to kill it. So how is it going to kill it? I don't know. That's what I was told. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not a state legislator. Yes, that's right. And I think I, I, my point is, as on, on the media side of things, it's incumbent upon us to be able to say, explain to me how it was going to kill right. it. Because it doesn't make, what you're telling me is that a majority of the Texas House doesn't want grant programs if they're going to restrict the funding of to those institutions. And, and of course, Drew Darby doesn't either. But, you know, but we come out with this and all of a sudden I have people coming to me and go, what's up with Drew Darby transing the kids? Yes. You know? And so, so it was, it was I guess, a little bit of hyperbole. Okay. And so I had to, you know, get to the bottom of it. So what's it, and find out that, that, that Darby supported the three anti-transgender bills, yes. SB 14, I guess it's 15 and 12. Yeah. The, the sports one. Well, then there's, I mean, they're, they're kind of mixing well, a couple of those, but then the, the drag show bill right. and the, uh, the surgery and puberty blocker. Bait. Right. Yes. And, 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 you know, the drag show one was particularly pertinent to us because we just had a drag show and yes. children in yes. San Angelo, Texas. Yes. You believe that? Yes. In San Angelo, Texas, yes. we're having drag shows and we have people who are defending it to their death. Imagine if Drew Darby voted against that bill, but he voted for the surgery bill. And then when he was attacked on the, <laughs> you know, on the drag show bill, he said, hey, why are these people saying I'm pro-trans? I voted against the surgeries. You would you would probably say, no, you voted against these surgeries, but you voted for this drag show. But he was, Isn't that but the he same thing? But he was consistent. He voted against the three tra anti-transgender bills. That's fine. And then his argument is HB 1898 yeah. was a process the deal. Tenderholt threw a missile at it. We, you know, I, yeah. I, I agreed with the House leadership yeah. because, you know, Darby's like an old school guy. He's going to he's going to work with the leadership. It doesn't matter who the leadership is. Sometimes the leadership won't work with him. I yeah. mean, the, the previous leadership didn't want to work with mm -hmm. him. Right. Yep. Um, but he's a process guy. And that's that's just the way he is. He he looks at ways to solve problems for his constituents, for his eight, eight for his House district. I, I so. want to move on to another issue. So we'll make this okay. the last question. But I think that, I mean, the the point you're trying to make, which I just see very differently, is basically as long as you vote for the bills that are specific to transgendering mm -hmm. kids, you can vote against every amendment that is going to stop the transgendering of children. And I think that that, again, is not how we've handled the gun issue. It's not how we've handled the life issue. It's not how we've handled the immigration issue. If you voted for illegal immigration via amendment or for illegal immigration or for, you know, gun control via amendment, we wouldn't say, oh, well, you're pro-gun as long as you vote for all the bills that are specific to guns. And so it seems to me like the argument that says an amendment is not the same, I think it's worth pointing out, and I'll let you close on this because I want you to have the last word and we'll move on to something else, is that I want our listeners and viewers to know that if you pass a bill, the words in that bill go into law and they have the full effect of law. If you pass an amendment on a bill, those words 
go into law and have the full effect of law. So they are both exactly the same regarding the effectiveness of those words becoming law and then having power. And so I do think that when these longtime politicians, Drew Darby's been in for a very long time, mm-hmm. they, they can sometimes literally just forget that both of these are going to stop something or let something happen. The Democrats understand this. It's why they're constantly amending bills. And sometimes they're allowed to pass those amendments and those get into law. So the argument that says that, oh, as long as you vote for the three transgender bills, you can vote for, you know, transgendering kids via amendment. But he I, didn't I think vote for that. I he, mean, that's the, that's the, but here's the bottom line. I'm going to go ahead. The yeah, close line. this out. At the end of this whole debate on HB 1898, Mm-hmm. The House voted what one twenty eight and six they had six no votes on. They mm-hmm. voted one hundred twenty eight yep. people in the House. That's Republicans and Democrats yeah. voted to pass it. So it didn't matter at the end. It didn't matter if that amendment was in there or not. Now maybe it would have mattered if the amendment was in there. Maybe the Democrats wouldn't have voted for it because they they always mm-hmm. want some kind. That's of, right. Uh, uh, they want to transgender the kids. Yeah, of right? course they do. A lot of them do. Yeah, yeah. So they would vote against it if it. If it kept had the, the kids from getting and transgender. So, and so I don't think they knew how many people would vote for it or against it. I don't think they whipped it. I really mm-hmm. don't. Um, just looking at the how the floor mm-hmm. debate was very cursory. I mean, mm-hmm. it looks like they were just slamming through a whole bunch of bills mm-hmm. that day, right? Yep. And um, so I don't think that, I think Darby was worried about the thing not passing. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, I mean, I, I agree with the other argument. Why don't we take that money and give us more type prop, property tax yep. relief? Yeah. You know, uh, but, you know, Legislators are going to legislate, and yep. they're going to they're going to pass out these little you know grant programs and things like that. If that's the way it's going to be. It's going to be. I want Tom Green County. I want District yep. seventy House District seventy two to have that money for mm-hmm. our hospitals because our jails are twenty five percent mental illness. So, so one of the other issues that is going to come up probably in the month of October, we're going to have a very contentious debate here in Austin regarding school choice, parental rights. Basically, uh, you know, over 85% of Republicans, including those in rural Texas, have said they want a program where the money follows the child at right. the parent's direction. So the mm-hmm. parent says, you're going to this school. I want you to go to this school. We're moving. And then a certain amount of money allotted to that child goes. And this gets called school choice, parental rights, vouchers. A bunch of other right. things. Um, this is an issue where the Democrat Party and the teacher unions often find alliances with some rural Republicans. You being all rural Republicans. Uh, well, not, much. definitely not all rural Republicans. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's quite a few out there. I know that Dustin Burroughs out of Lubbock has voted for school choice. Lubbock's, Lubbock's a metro area. Well, that's not, that's not rural. Shelby Slauson, Stephenville, down okay. there. I, I mean, you, she's definitely a rural okay. state representative. Right. You have Brian Harrison, who's south of, I mean, it is, I would say that your statement, all rural is probably more accurate like six years ago, but today rural Republicans are definitely divided on the issue as okay. a whole. Um, but where I will agree with you is that all of the Republicans I know that do oppose it are in rural Texas. So 100% of the opposition comes from rural Texas. Um, in the Republican Party. In the Republican Party. Right. And that, well, every rural state representative is pretty much a, yeah. a, uh, a Republican, except for one or two. You're right. And right. so um, if you take rural Republicans, they are somewhat split on the issue. In fact, Stan Kitzman, who I uh, was not uh, I, I kind of criticized pretty heavily, he voted for school choice multiple right. times. It represents a rural area of Texas. So again, Rural Republicans are split, but all of the opposition comes from these rural Republicans. Tell us why you think that's the case. Have you ever seen the uh, the movie or the TV show Friday Night Lights? Uh, yes. Okay. Particularly the TV show. I know it was filmed. I have not seen the TV show. I've seen the movie. The TV show was filmed in Pflugerville, so it's not necessarily okay. like, you know, 
totally rural. Yep. Um, but it, it depicts a real town. Uh, these small towns, Robert Lee, Christoval, Wall, Texas, um, uh, Sterling City, uh, Erin County. I'm, I, we're going into high school football mm-hmm. season, so I, I'm like up on the names. Sonora, Texas, like the Sonora Broncos. Uh, Ira Ann. It's not Iran. It's Ira Ann. But um, <laughs> anyway, all these schools are def- all, all these towns are defined by their schools. And they're further defined by their front porch, which is their football program. If you take away uh, funding from these rural schools, a lot of them on a pretty shaky ground. Because what we're seeing right now is we're seeing a little bit of a migration from these small rural areas uh, because we no longer need ranchers. We know, you know the ag work is getting more mechanic, you know, mechanized. Uh, the a lot of a lot of the ranch lands turn into hunting. You know, some rich law firm in Houston buys a bunch of land out in Sanderson, Texas, mm-hmm. and next thing you know, we don't have any ranches, right? Mm-hmm. We just have um, hunting grounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so a lot of these towns are are, are are shrinking. So the school district, unless they have an oil well or two out there, the school districts are under pressure uh, financially. The the voucher system is what we're really worried about. I think, I think you know, if you look at Tom Green County, which is San Angelo area, the Concho Valley, we really do have school choice. For example, I live in the Cristoval School District, mm-hmm. which is Cristoval's a little town south of San Angelo. My three kids all went to Cristoval. My youngest daughter wanted thought she could get a better chance of going to Texas A&M if she went to San Angelo Central. So her sophomore year, we, we put her in San Angelo Central. Yep. Didn't cost us a dime. Yep. We just chose what school we want to yep. go. If you want to go to Cristobal, you want to go to Grape Creek, or you want to go to Wall, uh, you just apply and you go. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's de facto school yep. choice out there. So there's no, there's no need for it. Now I understand in, I, can I, grew I, up in can Katy, I, ask you, I understand Katy, Texas has eight high schools. One high school might be better than the other. I want my kid to go to the best high school. I understand that. Yep. Or my high school may have, this high school might have a, a principal who's a, you know, demon worshiper. I don't want to be in, in this mm-hmm. hospital, this, this, this uh, particular field. So I want my, I want to be able to take my kid out of there and put it in private school or something yep. like that. And I don't want my property taxes to go to paying for this. Yep. I understand all, the, I understand those arguments, but you, you rip it out, rip it out of these, these rural communities and you're going to tear up some fabric out there. The, the bill in the Senate that passed that was opposed by these rural schools mm-hmm. basically said, if the parents leave, now, by the way, I always think that one of the easiest pushbacks to the idea that they don't need it, if you don't need it, then no one's going to leave, right? So the argument that says, hey, if you stick 10,000 parents, you don't really need this. It means that 10,000 parents have no intention of leaving if there was a program that was an ESA. You're not well, talking 10,000 parents. You're talking a couple thousand. Okay, places, but, okay, but 5,000, 3,000, 1,000, yeah. 100, right. right? If you tell me there's 100 parents in here and there's a monopolistic system that guarantees us the funding from the government and they can only come here. And if you say... It's like basically saying, hey, this is like the Hotel California. Like, look, we don't need uh, a way to leave the hotel. None of them want to leave anyways. Okay, well, why don't you just give it to them and see how many leave? Now, if they do leave, it meant you need them. Now, the child can only leave if the parent says there's a better education somewhere else. So we, I would argue that if they leave, if one parent leaves, then evidently, there was a need because the parents care far more about that child's education than any education system ever would. Private, public, charter, anything. The other point that I want to make is um, that you you kind of pointed out was the Senate passed a bill that said, if the child leaves, we are going to pay that school district $10,000 a year 
to cover not educating that kid. So like these these schools are going right, to say well, stop right there. Do you remember a couple of years ago this thing called Asatar? Yep. Remember that? Yeah, when they did away with Asatar, yep. they almost ripped up and destroyed some school districts out in West Texas because that funding was going to be ripped away from them and they were not, you know, so it it was not a good thing. I don't think giving a rural school $10,000 per kid is a sustainable public policy. Sustainable for a kid they're not educating. It's not sustainable. It's stupid. What do you mean it's not sustainable? I mean, we're, we're already taxed to death. So they still you're... argued that they were going to run out of money. Like yeah. they're arguing they're going to run out of money even when you're paying them to not educate the kid that leaves. They say, well, we're still going to no, run no, out no. of money. No, no, no. I'm saying sustainable from a statewide taxing policy. They, think about think about what we just went through with these property tax, the, the property valuations going up and things like that. We have a problem with sustainable uh, sustainably financing public education. And the, the bill said that they would have it for a number of years and then ultimately stop getting the funding. Yeah. And the point was yeah. that no school, you you have a school district that says, I need $10,000 a year for the next four years to not educate this kid. And then it's still going to be a problem because five years from now, he's going to be going somewhere else. That's I want to educate him for five that years. Why, why are we taxing the guy in Katy, Texas to pay for the pay for the kid who's not in Cristobal school. That's an argument for school choice, not against it. No, it's it. against it because what you're doing is you're increasing the cost of public education to play to pay for this voucher thing. Now, well, I, I, no, 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 wait, well, I want to I push back on that for a second because the reality is that we already have a system in Tom Green County where far more people are paying taxes into the system than are getting educated. We're right. already do, we are already taxing everybody to yeah. then educate these few kids. Mm-hmm. And then we're saying parents get no say. They do, in Tom Green County they do. They do if they want to stay within the monopolistic system just for a different well, school name. You, we have a charter school. You could go to a charter school, but most of them have waiting lists. There are millions of kids that are trying to get into charter schools I don't today think ours on waiting lists. I will say we have this is this is a macroeconomic uh, situation. Yep. What you'll see with school choice if you start giving out vouchers, we have two main primary high schools in the San Angelo ISD. We have Lakeview High School, which is a four A, mm-hmm. and we have San Angelo Central, which is the six A. It's kind of like the banner leader yep. of the town. Well. We also have a charter school called TLCA, mm-hmm. and TLCA has grown pretty big. I mean, mm-hmm. I think their headquarters is in Arlington now, but yep. TLCA is now caught on fire. Where are they grabbing their students from? Lakeview. And this is something that you don't see reported in the news, but Lakeview is getting drained. It's kind of like a brain drain out of Lakeview into TLCA. Lakeview, this is a situation yeah. where Lakeview is going to change. Drain, when you say drained. You're referring to parents deciding they can get a better education active for parents, their kid. Active parents are saying, I, my kid can get a better education. And I wouldn't say that's draining. I would just say like parents, once they have an option, are choosing something else. By the way, this is when, this is, but my point is, you just made the argument that said they don't really need the options. And now you're talking about the fact that once this other option came up, these parents were fleeing to another school. So which is it? It took a while. You you said drained. I did say drained, but I would say- That one school now is drained. And you know, the other problem is, let's say you're a really good high school football receiver. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You're you're probably going to end up at Central. So mm-hmm. the football team at Lakeview suffers because of that. But anyway, this is isn't this is that all, the way all competition works, though? I it mean, is, is it, whenever you put in competition, okay, aren't there some people right, who aren't doing? Let's as talk good competition. A job. Let's say, let's say, um, let's say we do have your school choice, and we have all these little um, startup um, private facilities joining. Everyone's going to those. Uh, the real competitive ones, you know, you're not. You, they don't have to let anyone, everyone in. So where is the kid who is quadriplegic who has learning disabilities? Where are they going to end up? They're not going to be able to go to, you know, rich guys, um, private school A that's, that's exactly $8,000 a semester. They're going, to, they're going to stay at San Angelo Central. And so now you're going to say, well, 
with all the with all with your 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 student body, the special mm-hmm. needs, you need to compete with all these the smartest kids in the county. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's. I mean, there needs to be some kind of uh, controls on that. So I think I would point out that at the start of your defense or opposition to the policy, you said, everyone here is fine. They don't need this. They don't. Right? They now don't. you're saying, well, actually, if we do it, all these people are going to go because well, evidently no, it's so much better. Did, if they went. Okay. Which one is it? Are they going to leave or are they all going to stay? Because if they're going to stay and they don't need it, then the policy and program wouldn't be bad to have. I, th- I think they probably would stay. I don't know. And, and, and my, I think in Katy, Texas, you're going to yep. drain Katy High School. Yep. I think what I would say is I that- mean, I just showed you examples of how a school choice situation can mm-hmm. take away students from one high school. Yep. San Angelo ISD has a crisis with Lakeview. They need to address it. You know, we haven't talked about it in the news. I mm-hmm. haven't written about it, but there is a crisis there. They need to figure out how to fix that. And I don't know how, I don't know what the answer is. I um, want to, cl- I'll, I'll close this with this. The, the people who have argued for parental empowerment have done so because they primarily believe that the parents should have the ability. Some will decide to choose small schools, some will go to charter schools, some will stay at the public school. And ultimately, we know that there's a responsibility we have to make sure that our education is world-class. We haven't seen any of the dire predictions of the anti-parent empowerment school choice movement come true in the other states where it's been implemented. Iowa has a lot of rural areas. Arizona has a lot of rural areas. Mm. We don't see any of the rural schools in Florida. It is not the case that once you get out of the city, everyone, every school district is drained of money and doesn't function. The state to look at is Indiana. Indiana has has a reasonable first, I guess, uh, punch into us. subsidized school choices basically mm-hmm. we're, we're giving vouchers and they means tested it and they, it was a very small thing they mm-hmm. just came out this legislative session in indiana and they expanded it to about fifty thousand families or mm-hmm. now or fifty thousand school children mm-hmm. are eligible for they went from like ten thousand mm-hmm. fifty thousand now if you want to explore it i say that's the way you do it you don't go out with this one size fits all because the last thing i want is a, me my tax dollars send an eight thousand dollars to some rich parent in Highland Park, in Dallas, mm-hmm. to send their kid to Catholic school. I, I don't want to pay for that. I really don't. That makes me kind of angry. That's kind of anti-conservative. But if we can, if we start out small with some means-tested tests in, in various areas, we probably can figure out some problems because we do have a problem in that parents don't trust the public school system. There is a crisis there, and I think that's a, that's something that we that need, from the bigger area. How do we fix this lack of trust in the public school system? Or in the in the public education system, and that's that's really what we're we're both on that game. Yeah, right there. I think a huge step in the right direction to giving parents trust, and I'll close with this: is that uh, they will trust the system that is okay if they go somewhere else. And when you have a policy set in place that says all of you have to be here, but by the way, you should trust us; we really are doing what's best for <laughs> your kids. It tells them, I'm not sure what you're all doing, but clearly you don't trust me. So I'm not sure I'm going to trust you. A system where the parent has the freedom to go means every single student and parent that are there at that school have chosen to be there, which also means that they're even more invested, both in the public, charter, private option. Joe, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you you for being willing to discuss our differences on both of these issues. And thank you for the work that you're doing in San Angelo. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure coming out here to Austin. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Luke Macias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.